If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Monday, May 17th. If you have not filed your taxes, today's the day. Uh, I know. It's exciting. If you haven't gotten your act together, don't forget you can file for an extension. It's very easy to do. All you need to do is get form 4868, file for the extension. But remember, you have until October 15th to file, but you have until today to send in any money you think you may owe the IRS. Otherwise, you could be subject to penalties. Get it done, please. Um, And just try to file because it's just not that hard. All right. With that said, this is the program that takes the mystery out of your financial life. And we do it one person at a time. All you need to do is send us your questions. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com. And if you're on our website, if you're on the jillonmoney.com website, just hit the old contact button, and we'd be happy to help you out. That is what Elizabeth did, who writes, I absolutely love your podcast. Thank you. My husband and I are recently married. He's 31. I'm 29. We've got a money question that we've been debating for a while. We know how valuable and important it is to contribute to retirement funds while we're still young, but we're also trying to save for a down payment for a house. Right now, we have a savings goal of $50,000 per year, maxing out my 403B, both of our IRAs, and then the down payment savings. My question is, are we ever going to be able to buy a home? (laughs) Should we not worry about buying a house since retirement savings will pay off one day? For background, I'm a teacher. My school gives us a 10% salary 403B match. I have no student debt. My husband just graduated from business school. He has $80,000 in student loan debt. He's an entrepreneur, but expects his salary to increase next year. All right. Well, listen, entrepreneurs tend to be very optimistic, but okay. Well, this is what they have. They got $520,000 that's saved. $300,000 in retirement, $200,000 tied up in equity from shares of a well-known shaving startup 
All right. They've got a well-funded emergency fund. They've got some side hustles. They save. All's to say, are we oversaving for retirement at the detriment of buying a place? By the way, we don't have kids, but it's in the near future. Thanks so much. You know, I feel like you totally can buy a house. I wouldn't go crazy saving it because it sounds like that that uh, well-known startup probably is going to become a liquid asset. It's not going to be a forever tie-up. So, I mean, I wouldn't go crazy. You're going, you are young, but I think building up your non-retirement assets is just fine also. And don't go crazy in terms of like, oh my God, I can't find, I wouldn't necessarily chase a house either, but I would balance it out a little bit. I like the way that you're saving. I think that makes sense. I love that you get that big fat match, but yeah, I mean, I think you should be able to buy a home when if you, if you got a half a million bucks that's saved, you know, that's just me. Mark, you have a different opinion about that one? It's true. The money's not accessible now, but I feel like it's going to be. I'm not saying you shouldn't save for retirement. I'm just saying that, you know, I wouldn't just take the house off of the to-do list either. would like you to be able to do a little bit of everything. Okay. Uh, Dennis is writing and says, are we saving too much for retirement? Second, too much for retirement question. That's going to be the theme of the show, Mark. Are we saving too much for retirement? Dennis is 39 and spouse is 37. Five kids. Holy smokes. Let me give you these numbers. One is a senior in high school. What? The, one is a senior in high school and four are ages six and under. Is this your first marriage or your second marriage? This sounds like a second marriage, doesn't it? I don't know. They're very young. All right. Well, the house is 500 grand. There is no mortgage. Their retirement accounts have almost a million dollars. They've got an emergency fund that's actually kind of small, 20 grand. Kids, a little bit of money in 529s. Uh, miscellaneous cash accounts, pay bills. They got some stuff there. Home equity line is 56000 Are we saving too much for retirement? There are a number of things we want. And by the way, want is all caps. Backyard pool, new deck, oil, heat. No, 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 no. On paper, we've got a million dollars. I don't live like it. All right, here's what you're going to do. You got all this stuff you're going to do with the house. Go get a mortgage, ding dong. Come on. I mean, you're crazy. You've got all this equity and you're letting it sit there and you're making yourself nuts. So here's what I would do. Yes, keep maxing out your thrift savings plan, but go get a mortgage. Get a mortgage and do the things you want to do and make it a 30-year mortgage. And st- you probably paid too much. You probably paid all your free cash flow and now you don't have a mortgage. And guess what? Rates are still low. I would just get a mortgage, take out the money you need to do all of your things that you want to do that are house related. You know, could you pull back? Sure, you could pull back a little bit, but this is like a feast or famine. You've got to have a little more balance in your lives. That's what I would say. Well, if that's the case, then you're not. Then that's if you're if you're gonna. So Mark says he thinks it sounds like someone who's a fire guy, like a financial independence retire early. If that's the case, then um, I don't know what to say. Then you live in scarcity while you do this. So you've got to make a decision. I mean, if you have all this ability to save, it's great, but like you should enjoy yourself a little bit. That's me. Renee uh, says, hi, Jill and Mark. Thanks for all you do. I'm a longtime listener and a loyal fan. After 31 years of employment, my former company decided my position wasn't necessary and eliminated it last summer. (gasps) 
At 57, I found myself, quote unquote, retired. I call myself a car, a COVID accelerated retiree. Oh, I like that. That's good. Okay. Severance extended to 2021. That's good. I'm wondering, are the severance payments classified as income, allowing me to contribute to my Roth IRA? Hmm. I think severance is income, but you better call the organization. I'm not, the reason why I say that is I think that sometimes when you get severance, you're allowed to make 401k contributions based on it. I would call the employer and find out how they are classifying it. And then you'll find out whether you can contribute to your HSA. She's on COBRA. She purchases a high deductible plan. I don't know if you can keep contributing to your HSA. Anyway, lastly, assuming I stay retired, how significantly will my reduced income for the next seven years affect my social security, which I hope to tap when I'm 70? Currently, the benefit is about $3,400. I'm living off of savings and a few gig jobs. I think that my required minimum distributions are going to push me into that dreadful and dreaded Medicare IRMA classification, trying to strategize to reduce my future taxes as much as I can. So single, no kids, $1.8 million in a 401k. First of all, let me just say the social security. It's 35 year average. You've worked for 31 years at this one company, but I wonder if you've worked more than that. Anyway, I don't think that your benefit's going to change too much. It is based on this average. So hopefully they take the top 35 years. You could maybe see a small amount go down. I don't know. Not too much, though. I don't think it's going to be too bad for you. I don't think you're going to take too big, bad a haircut, depending on what you did before the former company, because maybe you were working a few years somewhere else. But you have to, you have to see. Could be a tiny bit. Let's get back to the assets. 401k, $1.8 million, about 390000 in a Roth. Mortgage is teeny. Car loan is teeny. Roth IRA, 250000 Brokerage accounts, HSA, cash, long-term care plan. So obviously, this $1.4 million is the issue. I hesitate to have you convert this money because, first of all, I don't know how much cash you're really going to need in your next years here, right? How much of the money do you think you need to draw down? You're going to live on your cash, right? So we really can't afford for you to convert your your 401k. We just can't. I think that you'll burn up through your cash and you're going to need that cash for the next seven years. Not that I think that, you know, you need, everyone needs to have so much money in cash, but it is, it does give you a lot of flexibility and peace of mind. Okay, this is from Dan, who says, Hi, Jill. I love, 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 10 times love the show. Oh, isn't that nice? Your voice is soothing, like hot cocoa on a cold spring morning. I want to say it differently. My voice is soothing, like a bourbon on a winter night. (laughs) All right, Dan says, You've been my constant companion during the pandemic. Thank you boatloads for the generosity of your daily wisdom. Before I guess any further, I should let you know that I go to bed with you some evenings when I don't have the chance to hear you during the day. As my wife likes to say, my day isn't complete without a Jill episode. Anyway, I'm Dan from Edgemont. I know you get this question a lot, but we're thinking about required minimum distributions in the future. We need your help. Here's the background. My wife and I earn combined gross income of $475,000. 
I'm 63. She is 62. We expect to retire at ages 65 and 67, respectively. She's a professor at a local university. She still loves her job, but I've been grinding it out as a commercial banker. And so I will likely retire before her. We've been maxing out retirement accounts for many years and we've accumulated, wait for it, Mark, cue the hate mail. I'm sorry to say this. Guys, I don't I'm not I'm just reading the email, okay? So don't get mad, but check this out. These people have been grinding out, they've accumulated six million dollars, the six million dollar couple in tax deferred accounts. And it's 90% in equities. Wow. All right. What else they got? After tax accounts, $1.3 million in cash, $150,000 in individual stocks, $150,000 in diversified equity funds. We feel okay with our retirement funds still being so heavily tilted to stocks because of the cash we've accumulated. Our home is worth $850,000. We've got no mortgage. Our children have graduated college without any debt. Our employers started offering Roth 401ks a few years ago. We never contributed. My question, does it make sense to do so now, even though we're in a high tax bracket? Let me just say this. No, not at this point. I don't think you have to worry about this, but you know, you're going to get walloped when you take your required minimum distributions. You're in a high tax bracket and you're going to be in a high tax bracket. And so I don't think, you know, for the next three years to have this extra account, eh, I don't know. Mark, do you have a different opinion? You probably want him to do it. No. I mean, with $7 million, the $6 million couple and plus one, I don't think you need to do it. They're going to get walloped. You should go to the RMD calculator and see how much money is going to get pushed into your laps. And then you're going to be paying high income taxes for the rest of your life. And we all appreciate it. We, As your fellow taxpayers, we are very glad that you will do so. I mean, the the, the only thing you could potentially do, if you guys decided to call it quits in a year and your tax bracket went down, maybe you start converting some of your money. I don't know. It's it's going to be a lot of work and I, it's probably not going to make too much of a difference. You're not going to convert enough to make a big difference. But if you, you want to, maybe you could. I mean, if you're going to do anything like a conversion, you go maybe from ages, like the three-year window when your your income is down. That's what I would do. Then maybe, maybe Chuck Chuck comes back with us with a second request. Mark, how could you like, you just really diss Chuck, huh? <laughs> Chuck must have rubbed Mark the wrong way. I'm only kidding. Uh, it's just that the inbox is swamped. Okay. I hope you can take a few minutes to provide your wisdom. I love your work. In summary, I am collecting as many options as possible on this matter. Not just yours. <laughs> I added that as for emphasis. We're in our late 60s. We're planning to retire at 70. We've got all of our money in CDs and money markets since the 2008 crash. We missed out on a huge run up in the market. We know we need to earn greater return to stay afloat in retirement because inflation will be increasing. But given the height of the stock market now and length of the bull market, I find it difficult to believe that now is the time to start shifting small blocks of money back to the stock market funds. May I have your opinion, not your advice, just want an opinion. Does your review of the market suggest it's best to wait for some sort of decline or is now as good a time as any? I know that no one can truly predict. I'm really not asking for that. Just an opinion, one of others I'm seeking. So I relieve you of any responsibility. Now, I want to point one thing out to everyone listening, and that is a year ago when the stock market lost a third of its value in five weeks, that wasn't a good enough time for Chuck to make the decision. Pointing that out, 
And in all the various like mini crap outs that we've had in the last dozen years, there was no time that Chuck thought was a good time. So if you think I'm going to weigh in on this now, forget it. Uh, you made your bed and, uh, you know, so you're going to have to figure out how to get out of it. I, the, the, I don't know where it's going. Um, and I certainly wouldn't, if I'm you knowing like that you essentially, you know, you're incapable of figuring out how to get your money to work, maybe you ought to see a financial planner and help you because you're not doing this yourself. Because every time you th- you're getting a thousand opinions, I'm sure everyone's going to have a different opinion. And none of this makes a ton of sense to me. It really doesn't. You know, the old, the old Albie story, Mark. Albie's my father. Mark could go up, it could go down, it could go sideways. I don't know. But if you didn't do it last year, then when were you going to do it? Yeah. Yeah, you want it because there's like that, there's like that analysis that says if you've missed the 10 best days of the last 10 years, then you're screwed. So that's why you really have to stay in with a diversified portfolio. Maybe you just dollar cost average in. I'll tell you what. I want to know when this guy gets his money to work because the day after the market is crapping out, I can almost guarantee it. All right. Um, you have been listening to Jill on Money. Uh, we are so happy to start the week off with you. Don't forget to file your taxes for goodness sakes. If you've got a question, shoot us an email. It's askjill at jillonmoney.com. Please share this episode and share this podcast with people you know. We are trying to really ratchet up our listeners. It's going crazy because I've got to tell you, 2020 was an unbelievable year for this podcast and we want to make 2021 even better. That's the beauty of you guys. You are the way that we grow the show. We don't do advertising. We don't do anything like that. We just say word of mouth, tell people that this is a great show, help them discover it, leave us ratings and reviews. Come on, Help us, help us help you. All right. When you, when, you know what, Mark, when I'm done with saying this show close, how am I going to stop saying it? It's going to be impossible for me. It really is. Um, I'll be coming up with a new show close. And, and when do you think I'm going to start doing that show close? Okay. Mark is proposing that we have a new show close after Labor Day. I like that. I'm going to keep that on. That's going to be a, a, a hard maybe. But for now, wash your hands. Wear those masks inside. Maintain your physical distancing inside. Do something nice for someone else today. It will make that person feel so good. And guess what? It will make you feel good too. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 